Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton, and welcome to another show where once again I'm joined by Max Carlisle and Teddy McAllister for a chat about a couple of different Everton topics. Tonight we're going to be looking into the future as we discuss which former club icons should have a statue outside our new either on the Bramley Moor dock. Of course, the Echo ran an article asking for suggestions on that front, so we're going to throw our own hat in the ring and come up with a few ideas of our own. After that, we're going to do a target analysis on one of the frequently linked transfer target targets of recent weeks. Aston Villa star Jack Grealish. We're going to be debating what pros and cons he could bring to the table should we manage to bring him in. And of course, we're going to round everything off with the If You Know Your History quiz, which Max and Terry are going to go head-to-head in at the end of the show. That's what's in store for your listeners on the podcast tonight. Our two main seb- segments will be separate on YouTube, so I'll introduce them respectively as we go through the podcast. Well, first of all, Max and Terry, how are you doing, lads? Another week in isolation, been seen off. How have you been keeping busy again since I last seen you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing, doing good, James, mate. How are you? I'm pretty solid. It's been a pretty decent week. I think I'm starting to get used to isolation, which is probably not a good thing, to be honest with you, but... Uh-huh. The, the more the weeks move quickly, the better, I suppose. So, what have you been doing to keep busy? Uh, not all that much, to be honest. But I'm I'm glad the uh, the club has developed the habit of streaming these live games. Um, yeah, it's brilliant, I've, isn't it? I've enjoyed three 0 victory against Liverpool yeah, in two thousand six. I think on this show I've said that that's actually one of my favourite all time Everton games. That's so I was absolutely thrilled when they did that on Saturday night, and uh, I had a ball watching that. <laughs> yeah, it's up there. How are you getting on, Teddy? You all right, mate? Yeah, I'm all right, fellas. Uh, nice to speak to you. Um, yeah, same old, same old, really. Just uh, just cracking on, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, it's, we're all still you know, in this for a, a while longer, I think, and I'm just uh, you know, doing bits around the house. I've not watched as much um, you know, as much stuff as I had done in the last episodes. Um, obviously, we were talking off camera then. There's the extra episodes of Tiger King, which isn't really an extra episode. It's more a little recap show like... Um, like a post-game episode where mm-hmm. you know, someone just interviews some of the people who were on it uh, via Skype and whatnot, and everything on telly at the minute, if it's made new, is, is done via Skype, and I know they can't help it, but it's just the absolute worst television going, isn't it? Like, mm. when you just see five or six Skype heads, I mean, huh. we know from just recording a show, sometimes it's hard to, like, know when to talk, when to stop, and all that, because when you're not face-to-face, you lose that sort of, that cue. Yeah, and it's just, I can't watch anything like that. Like, me and my missus watched an episode of Graham Norton when it was like that, and it's just, it's just not worth watching a lot of it, but, you know, it's, they're doing the best. What, what can they do? Yeah, I think television's, I mean, it's been dying for a while now anyway, but I think this might be one of the final nails in the coffin to it, to be honest, and I think people are going to cotton onto the likes of, you know, what we're doing, podcasts and all these sorts of other alternative streaming forms almost that, as you I mean, say, I think I actually beg to, to differ. I think this is probably giving it a little bit of a new lease of life myself. I just think the standard of the content we're seeing less of these rubbish talk shows that you're on about and more the FA Cup rewinds on BBC. So I'm a lot mm. happier. I've actually been watching terrestrial TV a lot more than I normally do in this lockdown. Fair point. 
makes you think though, doesn't it? Like, you know, the BBC and, and what have you have got this massive, massive archive of, of old games recorded and never do anything with them and now they're actually having to use it. People like they must be getting decent figures, you know, like for some of these old um, you know, games they're putting on and not just, you know, Everton's accounts doing it online, but the BBC are doing it for like old old school games, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And I've been watching them, it's been it's been brilliant. Like the match of their day, they put the Wimbledon game on on Saturday night as well, which was brilliant. Like that was after the uh, yeah. the derby win, so I had a real little marathon of Everton classics. That's the, uh, that's the that's the Barry Owen game, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I've got that. I've got that ball there. Nice. The match ball. Yeah. Oh, that is brilliant. Is that the one like that? Um, Graham Stewart was running with as the old yeah. foot of the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on. I don't think he jumped out of a window to get that then with that noise. <laughs> Oh, he's gone over. Can I, have, can I have my ball back, mate? Yeah, definitely. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> that is boss. Little bit, little, might take a little bit of editing this bit because they won't annoy you, but whatever. <laughs> but yeah, to be fair, we must have pumped it up because that's pretty, uh, pretty firm, that. But yeah, Meister Premier League ball. Really? I used to love the Meister balls. Yeah. Used to hit it like hell when you get hit with them in PE, though. Oh, definitely, yeah. Well, nostalgia though that, that's the, I think that's the one thing it's, there's not a lot to do with present so there's been a lot of looking back to the past and a lot of nostalgia and I think I've got a lot more joy out of it because the, the present as far as football goes isn't always great let's be honest mm. Mm. Yeah. but anyway let's go on with the show we're actually going to look ahead to the future like I say we're going to start with a new stadium topic so I'll start with Teddy this time who if you had to choose Teddy would get a statue at the Bramley Moor well, are we, we're working on the assumption that we're not taking the ones from Goodison with us. We're going to do brand yeah. new ones. Right, I'm so hoping we, for like a new name as opposed to maybe Dixie or the old Trinity. Well, I was going to say, I, I wasn't going to suggest Dixie because that's just you know standard, isn't it? Dixie team will be there, but there'll obviously be, as we've seen, sites for like a couple of um, couple of statues. Um, I, I personally would love to see a Neville Southall one. I think Neville Very Southall is just... He, he's one of the most iconic players in the club's history, and you know he's been he was involved in the you know the successful teams of the eighties, title wins, cup winners, cup wins, and he's just synonymous really with Everton. It, like you know other players, you know, like went on to play for other teams. Like if they were successful at Everton, they also had success elsewhere. Neville Southall is just a crystallised. Everton player, he embodies the club and he embodies the the sort of spirit of the supporters because you know I you'd be hard pressed to find an Evertonian doesn't love Neville Southall, so he'd be my fair shout alongside the obvious one like Dixie Dean. Brilliant shout that, and also I think it's worth noting that you don't often get statues of goalkeepers. It's very rare, yeah. and I think obviously we haven't got one yet, so it'll be a nice little change. And obviously, who better than the most capped Everton player? Let's not forget. Yeah, true. Of course. What about you, Max? Well, for me, I think I think we've got a pretty straightforward criteria to go by. I mean, around war times, I'd probably say you've got your T.G. Jones. Um, da, 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 da. I'm trying to think. Yeah, any other names to kind of stick out to me? Yeah, Ted Sager. Tommy Lawton. Tommy Lawton, like yeah. yeah. Ted Sager, another goalkeeper to add to Terry's collection there. But I think your, your exclusive criteria from your 60s and your 80s... Um, I would quite like 
the sort of immortalisation, if you will, of the classic image of Brian LeBone placing the FA Cup on Mike Trebleco's head. Have you seen it after we beat uh, Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday. Wednesday? Yeah, after we won that 3-2. Um, I think I can't. I forget the name of the other player that's doing it, but the standing up side, the treble co, and they've got the uh, the FA Cup on his head. I think that would be a pretty interesting. Yeah, I, think um, it, I think it's Jimmy Gabriel, isn't it? The other fella. Is it? Yeah, of course, Gabriel's another one that you could definitely immortalise. Um, yeah, I'd say uh, Lavi is my all-time favourite Everton player. I mean, literally, like lived down the road from me, and he just embodied Everton as far as I'm concerned, and just the the ultimate definition of a captain. So I'd definitely like to see Lavi immortalised and then you sort of flash forward to your, your 80s. You know, you can take your pick, really, can't you? I mean, the the, the squad to win our first ever European honour. Uh, Southall is probably, you know, the pick of the bunch. But Ratcliffe, Mountfield, you know, when you look at the attacking options, Gray, Sharp. I mean, get a bit... A bit lost for choice, but I think statues are the weird one. I, I personally don't think we'll see any further additions unless something sort of really com- comes up in a couple of years. Because I mean, obviously, I think the standout um, example of it's Fulham's owner, Shaq Khan, with his tribute to Michael Jackson. And I don't think we're going to be doing anything like that anytime soon, but you know, well, we'll obviously, we have Jerry Sermon. <laughs> I don't know, mate, but we'll see. Just need to get the bloody brown, uh, bloody ground bill first, eh? Last year, I think. This year, he'll have a statue of Jim White. <laughs> <laughs> what with his with his mobile in his hand? Yeah, definitely. The yellow tie. With the whole statue's bronze except the tie, which is like bright yellow. Yeah, they'll they'll gold plate the tie. Delta. Go ahead, James. How about you? For me, it's a it's a really difficult one. As I said, Neville Southall at first myself, to be honest with you. But if it was actually hard pressed, I'd probably go with. And I know that this one will probably raise a few more eyebrows, but I'd probably go with. I know a lot of people try and say maybe he isn't a legend, but I'd go with Duncan Ferguson myself. I specifically yeah. for me growing up, and also I think the fact that I, I think that should that's only been hammered home by how well he did in his caretaker manager spell. Uh, a few months ago as well, I think. Just the the sort of impact that he's had on the club, and particularly in a sort of dark time as well, where there wasn't much else to shout about. He was probably the sole reason that the sort of fans stuck together and got through that time. Well, Dunk's, um, for me, like he's he's definitely the most recent, like, you know, consideration, or, you know, you could feasibly say, you know, him, because there's been popular players, but Duncan Ferguson, you know, was part of the last currently the last team to win a trophy for the club. So he's definitely, you know, he's, he's you know, there's there's images of him with a trophy that you can build a statue out of, you know, that kind of thing. The one with the blue nose, like, behind yeah. me. There he is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I personally, I wouldn't have one at Ferguson just because there's other, there's other candidates, you know, who would be ahead of him. Mm. Um, I'd, le- I'd left this one, I felt was a really obvious one. I left it because I didn't want to hoover up all the obvious choices in my first answer. But Howard Kendall? Oh, of course. The great man. Like, I you know, say, we ever, have we ever sort of had anything for a tribute towards him? Yeah, we've got the Holy Trinity statue with the three of them, haven't we? The Gladys Street mm. as well as the Howard Kendall Gladys Street, isn't it? But I'd like to see, you know, if, if we were looking at, if, if I was going through Everton, you know, names for statues, I think Dixie Dean obviously is number one. You've got the Holy Trinity because that includes Ball and Harvey as well. 
But I think Howard Kendall as a manager, even though we had like a couple of spells and like the later ones weren't as successful, just that era in the eighties when he really re-established Everton as one of the top clubs in in the country. I think Howard Kendall is probably you know if you were taking bets, I think he'd be the odds-on favourite to be the next one after the two that are already done. Yeah, him as a manager rather than him as part of the only trinity. Yeah, I could most definitely see a, a stand named in his honour again, really, because it was it wasn't for very long that we had the, as you say, the, the Howard Kendall Gladys Street and the Sir Philip Carter Park yeah. end. So, yeah, maybe it'll be something like if it's not a statue, it might be just a Howard Kendall uh, Riverside stand or something like that, or, or mm. you know, North stand, South. You know, this don't think the South stand would be named that because it's going to be the big one, but they might have a name. Howard Kendall, like you know, main stand or something like that. Anyway, definitely. I think it's definitely a good shelf. I mean, do you reckon the two current statues will move to Bramley Moor, or will they be kept as part of the legacy plans? Do you think? It's been debated, hasn't it? I've seen it. It's inspired quite a bit of conversation online on like Twitter and that. Some people saying that they don't think it will. Some people saying that um, they think it will. Like I don't know. Obviously, but the sort of contingency plans for Goodison Park and the whole sort of renovations and legacy project that they plan to leave there it would seem a bit odd to just leave those two bronze statues slap bang in the middle of like apartment buildings and a, and a park but so you would like to see it taken down and made I do know, use of I do know that they converted Highbury into like a, a block of luxury flats and I'm sure they kept a, a statue or something or other yeah. in the middle of the courtyard in there yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a nice little uh, tribute. Like, I know they're, they're planning on leaving, like, the centre circle of Goodison, aren't they? And little yeah, things like that. So, so I, think, I mean, who knows? I think they put the statue that I'm on about to Highbury, I think they put that where the centre circle used to be, in that courtyard. I think it was it was quite an interesting little touch, but whether we do the same, I know I've saw, like, artist impressions of what they're going to do after Goodison's knocked down, and it's a, a little bit more asymmetric let's say to what Arsenal did with Highbury so maybe it's not possible to do exactly what they did but I'd like to see one of the statues left there as part of that legacy and obviously all the other sort of like blue base and stuff like that will stay where it is no doubt so yeah. I think we'll definitely they've definitely got a good idea in place for the preserving the legacy of Goodison but obviously the statue idea at Bramley Moor, I think there's there's going to be a bit more space to maybe put a few statues, but is it one of them? Is it hard? Is it important not to sort of wear out the the value of the statues by putting loads of them in? Great point. That's a really good point. Yeah, as I say, they're quite a novelty in football in particular. I don't think we should abuse it at all. To be honest, I I actually feel the opposite. I I I don't feel like it's it's wearing it out personally. I like for me, it's like. We're Everton. We've got loads of top, top, you know, legendary players. Like, I'm not saying you have a statue for all of them. There'll be some who, you know, could feel hard done by. But um, I definitely think, you know, there's there's room for three, maybe even four statues on the site as long as they're appropriately placed. But mm. you're going to have to be really, like, elite with who you pick. You know, like, as we say, Ferguson, great player, beloved by most Evertonians. I, I could feel comfortable saying, but I wouldn't go so far as to give him a statue. But Dixie Dean, the Holy Trinity... You know, um, Howard Kendall, Neville Southall. I think a four like that, but there's definitely room to have all of them. Um, and just on the previous point, I, I'd like to see the two statues we've already got left there as part of like the 
the heritage site there, and maybe you could convert them, move them slightly, whatever. But the the ones who are featured in those statues definitely, you know, make new ones of them. You couldn't possibly have an Everton Stadium without having Dixie Dean as the primary, you know. If you've got three or four statues, the number one's still got to be Dixie Dean. I just, you know, just make a new one. So it's in keeping with the rest, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. Definitely, but I, I do agree with the with you as well about leaving the statues at Goodison. I think that's the best thing as well. I think, obviously, the likes of Dixie and um, the Holy Trinity made the mark at Goodison and the legacy should stay there as well, even yeah. if it comes with us to the Bramley Mall. Yeah. Where are we going to put the one of Sergio Ramos? <laughs> oh yeah, we've got, got, got a few of them out there, haven't we? <laughs> oh no, he's getting standing. He's the big South Stand named after him, hasn't he? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, what, one of Pippa Winzaghi from 2007. <laughs> what else? Um, Demba Bar. Dem- oh god, Demba I forget, I forget about Demba Bar. <laughs> Well, uh, I think we've. Uh, I think that is exhausting the uh, the statues. Then, if we have one for every time, mm-hmm. uh, players will give us a good afternoon like that. Yeah, there's been some, there's been some fond memories there as well. I mean, yeah. sure, sure, we can find a place for them somewhere else, even if it's in the dock next door. <laughs> keep them in, keep them in like a little storage container and wheel them out whenever there's a derby, yeah. just to wind them up. Buy Nelson's dock and fill it with statues like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just, just just wheel them all out on a derby day just to annoy the fans when they walk in. <laughs> uh, lovely stuff. Uh, well, we, they have it, uh, a couple of mixed views, but I think we can agree with, like, it's a case of not o- over-exhausting the statue idea, but I think, to be fair, you, you guys both came up with much better shouts than I did. I think Neville Southall is probably would have been my prime choice as well. And Max, your shout as well, Brian LeBone and the Cup winners from 66. That's another brilliant shout, I think. Yeah. The, I think I was probably a bit uh, clutching at stores with Big Dunk, to be honest with you, when you compare them to what those players achieved. And I think Brian LeBone actually is probably the most criminally underrated when it comes to um, the sort of iconic status, I think, because everyone said, didn't they, when they, all the ex-captains said if they all got together that um, they'd want LeBone to captain the captains. And I think that's the says everything you need to know about Brian LeBone and obviously the Everton quote, the Everton with twenty Liverpool Leon's quote is only gonna add to the legacy that he left as well. Definitely. But yeah, it was a, it's a brilliant little discussion though, and it's certainly one that's worth keeping an eye on, I think, as we move closer to moving into the new stadium. podcast listeners now obviously we're moving on to the second of our podcast segments we'll be discussing the possible addition of jack grealish so uh, max terry and i are once again going to be together to analyze the pros and cons of reported everton target jack grealish grealish has of course impressed this year upon returning to the premier league with aston villa and is apparently on our radar along with the likes of man united so we're going to start this time with Max. What do you think Grealish would bring to Everton? Right. The the way I view this sort of this speculation, obviously Everton's just here to say in this time when we've literally got no football, obviously the market's not in play. So I think it's just futile sort of speculation as far as that goes. But looking at it like subjectively, I think Jack Grealish 
would be an absolutely fantastic fit for what we need from a creative midfielder. Now, voice your concerns if you've got any when I say this, but I genuinely feel like we've been searching for an answer for, for a creative midfielder since Mikel Arteta left the club. Now, I think Ross Barkley, for the years that he did spend at Everton, didn't crystallise his potential completely. I think he jumped ship too early um, and we've seen by his continued inconsistencies at Chelsea. Um, I would have, I feel personally that once Barkley had left, the ideal sort of replacement would be, now I'm going way out of our price range and what we can attract there, but a player similar to that of an Isco or a David Silva, someone who's relatively small, low centre of gravity, that can deal with the ball to his feet, can take the ball with his back to goal, turn, Play, make play, bring play, other people in, have a crack if need be. Um, and then this sort of obviously inspires the Gilfie Sigurdsson debate all over again, which I don't want to exactly tire myself out with because I think we've all kind of tortured ourselves to death at what we think of, of Gilfie Sigurdsson at the moment. I don't mean to say that I'd berate him. I do think that Gilfie Sigurdsson is a really good player, as proved by the fact that along with Richarlison, not this season, but the season gone, he was our highest goal scorer in all competitions. So I do think Gilfie Siggins is a cracking player, but at the same time, I don't think he's the answer to our problems. I do think someone like a Jack Grealish, who I think is only five foot seven, got something like nine goals this season in all competitions and seven assists. I just think that speaks for itself. Um, I know he's got a few cons, which I'm sure you lads will make notes of, but I think he'd be great. Seri? Well, I sort of think two things about this. I think like a certain, I've got certain thoughts on the 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 link, the transfer link, and certain thoughts on the player. So, um, I'll just get go with the my thoughts on the transfer link. Really, I don't think it's true for a start. If it is true, it's unrealistic mm. because there's a lot of problems with it. You know, its price would be astronomical. I don't think Everton will be looking to buy. You know, I don't think anyone really will be looking to buy Premier League to Premier League um, going forward, you know, with the uncertain finances at the minute. And even before that, I think he would have been a, a price prohibitive player. Also, this is, you know, it's not going to be happy to admit, but, you know, I don't think we can attract him because mm. he's at Aston Villa, he's at his boyhood club. And his next move, now that he's sort of coming into the, you know, the peak of his value, if nothing else, his next move is going to be his big move, and you know, going from Aston Villa to Everton, yeah, in league terms, it is an improvement, but it's not a huge jump. With both teams who are outside of the European places, I think he's good enough to attract, you know, a Champions League team like a Liverpool or a Spurs or someone like that. Um, because let's be honest, and this is where it comes to be taught in a player, he is class. I think he's a quality player. Where he'd fit in in our team is a bit, you know, questionable. Not in the sense of he wouldn't get in our team. Of course he would. But he, he, a few other people have touched on it as well. But he'd probably be most suited into that left of the midfield four position. That sort of half left, half ten that he's got Iwobi and, and Bernard playing in. Um, with uh, Dean on the outside. I couldn't see him being one of the two central midfielders in a flat four four two, which is what no. we play. It's to be too restrictive for him and to give him the freeze. And the only the only creatively free position in our team is that left midfielder who cuts inside. And is that a position that we really need to invest in when there's so many other positions in the team that require attention? You know, 
right back, centre back, right midfield, possibly even goalkeeper. I just even if there's truth to this link, I just think it's it's a strange one. I just you know it it's looking to buy a, a, a quality player. Don't get me wrong, if you if we feasibly could attract him, which I have you know, huge doubts about, but it'd be a lot of money spent on a position where we've got two players in um, and there's other positions that need sorting out first. So I'm dubious over it, but would I love it? Yeah, I would. I think he's quality. I think he's an absolute, like, an absolutely immense player. Uh, this season he's come on loads and if he hadn't have, you know, if, if the current situation with the coronavirus hadn't, you know, derailed football, I think he'd have been in the um, England squad to sort of, you know, put a little bow on his, uh, his form this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to just bust in, but I forget the source. Again, paper talk, but there, wasn't there a rumoured price that was around £70 million? Yeah, there was. So, financial fair play, boys. You know what I mean? Again, just speculation. I think that's astronomical money, to be honest. I don't think it's feasible in any way, shape or form. And to be honest, you guys have had a lot of good things to say, but if I'm going to say my piece, I'm a bit more sceptical about them, to be honest with you, for a number of reasons. First and foremost, I'm always cautious about prizing players away from the boiled clubs. And there's a kind of a reason to that. I know there was obviously the exceptions with players like Rooney, who are top, top quality, who go to the likes of Man United and win. But we're not in a position to, like you say, take players like that or take players who are looking for the big step up. And... I, I'm always concerned about when we sign players from the Boyle clubs and you know, the likes of. I always worry about like another Ashley Williams, like where is he given like a hundred and ten percent for these clubs, but will he give that for us? Would he give the same to Everton that he'd give to Aston Villa? I don't think he would. And, at the, and in addition to that, obviously there's the whole tactical side of things. Like you say, I think I don't think we'd be able to find a place in our system for them on top of what we've already got. And there's, like you say, there's so much other places that we need in that squad that we need to bolster in this, in, or the, let's say, I say the summer, but it could be bloody November by the time the next transfer window, I don't know. But, and then on top of that, of course, there's the issues about his attitude, of course. We saw him breaking the lockdown as well. I'm a little bit sceptical about players like that. I mean, we gave... Nias, all kinds of hell for it, and rightly so, by the way. But Grealish did more or less the same thing. So, what would we say if, if Grealish were an Everton player and he did that? I know Nias isn't is pretty much public enemy number one, but something tells me we wouldn't be much more sympathetic with Grealish. I I don't know. Just to sort of to counteract what you said about would he give us all. And I, I, I know circum, like circumstances being boiled club, sort of adored by the fans, and you know, but he's captain. And when you watch Aston Villa, Jack Grealish is always the spearhead of any sort of attack and play that they have. He takes responsibility. He always looks to influence play, and I think that that feeds into my point. Is he's the type of player that we've needed for so long, that sort of creative spark that's willing to take responsibility. So. I can understand your trepidation as to whether, okay, would he give the same, would he give 100% playing for Everton as he would playing for Aston Villa? I wouldn't want to question his credibility as a professional footballer. I do think he would. But at the same time, and again, 
this is like Terry's point. Like we are in no situation to be looking at like the top talent in the country and be saying, "Go on, we'll, we'll have you," because a coronavirus, b financial fair play, and and c like we're just as as Terry rightly said, we're not in. We've got nothing to offer these players. Mm. I mean, if if it's a different, it's a different question. If if Villa were to go down, say the game, say the games are completed and the season's finished, and what have you, and Villa go down, then obviously then it's a different matter. You know, his price comes down, not not to a cheap degree, but it comes down to a little bit, you know, less eye watching than seventy, I'm sure. But if his price comes down, then it's you know it sounds like I'm putting the club down, but I'm not to say. Bigger, more attractive offers will come in for him if his price goes down. So I just don't think we're, you know, a big enough law away from Aston Villa for him because he will have teams in the Champions League coming in for him. And you know, they say, you know, the, the Birmingham Mail I think said that Man United aren't interested in him anymore. I don't know whether I believe that. I think they still would be interested, and even if it's not them. And I know they're not, you know, regularly in the Champions League or what, but they're still Man United. And um. I honestly could see him going to a Liverpool. I think he'd suit them down to the grounds on the left side of their middle three, and that's the type of offer I think he'll probably get going forward. So it'd be a coup for Everton to get him, but I think for the money he'd cost in any scenario, even if we could somehow get him away from Aston Villa to Everton, I think we'd be better saved putting our money elsewhere abroad and finding players who... Precisely. on the radar as well. Yeah, I'd like to see us I'd like to see more Luca Deans um and yeah. players like that who, who you don't really, you know, quality players who can come in and improve the team straight away, um, but don't cost the earth. I think that's the, the future of that that's where our money's best best placed. I think that's precisely my point as well, because I think what I was most cautious about was obviously I reeled off all these negatives about Grealish, but what I'm most scared about is if we did get him we'd have to pay top dollar for him. And I don't want us getting our fingers burned. Like we did this with Gilfie Sigurdsson, bringing a, the star player from a lower Premier League team and bringing him into our squad. And he just hasn't cut the mustard for what we paid for him. And I, I don't care what you say, how good Grealish is. I don't think if we paid 70 million, he'd never repay that. No, you know what he'd be? He'd be like a, um, a midfield Pickford. Like you'd take him away from his yeah. boy club and all right Pickford didn't cost as much as like he was you know his strap line said he did you know he was actually close to the 20 million 30 apparently but um you know he's got all the hallmarks as well you know like he's still you know Pickford still loves Sunderland Pickford gets himself in trouble on nights out clearly Grealish is doing that as well I think it would be signing up for a, a midfield version of Pickford now some people might go well I'm, I'm up for that if it's the first season Pickford if he performs well then I don't care what his attitude's like, but some some you know people would be a little bit like mm, you know it could easily go badly wrong with a player like that because you don't feel like he's committed enough. Grealish gets in the England squad and say you know he's an Everton player. Will he be like Pickford and if that's his prime motivation? And will the fans turn a little bit sour on him with bad performances because they don't feel like his heart's in it? There's, there's all these things that could crop I'll up. I'll be honest, I would be one of those. I'm I'm very angry when I don't, I see players not working hard enough. I think Gilfie Sigurdsson's a prime example of that. And Schneiderlin. And, and it's the same, I think it would be the same with Grealish, bringing in a established Premier League player for a big fee. And 
I think it's a player who there's still question marks about his work rate, to be honest with you. I don't think he's... He's, he's obviously a very gifted player who adds more technical ability to what we've already got. Definitely, but I just think he could easily become a pariah with our fans. You know the way our fans are and how much commitment matters to our fans. If, if he doesn't pull his weight, then he could be in for a, a rotten spelling, given that we would have parted with a lot of money to bring him in. He could, he could become one of our many flop signs that other clubs laugh at us at now for. Not going to sign him anyway, so it's all right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's a good little way to sign off then, isn't it? We're not going to get him. <laughs> We've done this whole, this whole show. We've just been discussing the player. We're definitely not going to get So there you have it. Jack and Lee Lickerson coming to Everton, guys. But for you podcast listeners, of course, it's time for the If You Know Your History quiz. Tonight, it's Max versus Terry. And once again, it's a matchday squad quiz for those who haven't tuned in before. That basically entails me naming an Everton fixture from the past and our two contestants taking it in turns to reel off the members of that squad, be it a starter or a used substitute who took part in the game. First to get an answer wrong, forfeit, and the other is our winner. So first things first, going to decide who goes first. Unfortunately, once again, I haven't really come prepared, so I'm going to have to find something that I can flip. And there we go, Penlittle do. Uh, right, so I'll let Teddy pick this time. I think I let Max pick last week, didn't I? How are you going to flip a Penlid? Oh, <laughs> it's, it's many a alternatives it's, of this show, it, me. It's, it's, a, it's a flat Penlid. It's, like it's like a cylindrical one as opposed to a like big one. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, this is this is what you've got to do in these terms and need when you don't come prepared with your ten pence piece. So, Terry, heads or tails? Oh, by the way, but what I mean is that the top, that the oh, wait, I've just realised this isn't going to work. I didn't think it was. No, I've got, I've, got, I've got a penny here. Go on. Oh yeah, go on. Hang on, how's that going to work? Oh yeah, Terry's going to have to. Oh yeah, go on then. Um, right. I... Yeah, Ted. All right, Teddy. Teddy gets to choose. Going first or going second, mate? I'll go second, please. Oh, there we go. Got to decide with that. Now that's all sorted. I'm going to reveal the fixture in question. So, cue the intense quiz music. There it is. And I reckon tonight's lineup challenge is going to be a very tough challenge for you two, indeed. The fixture in question is. Brisbane Raw 1, Everton 2, the Raw against Racism Cup final from the 17th of July 2010. It was a friendly tournament and of course, as a result, there were four huge substitutes in this, which means there's 15 altogether to choose from. A nice odd number, so no sudden death, someone has to win this outright first go. So let's get down to business. I'll let Terry go first. No, you take second. I'm oh, first. Second. All right. That, that, uh, Leon Osman. Leon Osman started the game. Phil Neville. Phil Neville started the game and captained. Jermaine Beckford. 
Jermaine Beckford start of the game. This is a strong start. I don't really go off the game. I just go off the ear end of the game. So Louis Saha. Yeah, yeah. Louis Saha started the game. Strangely enough, Moyes went with a 4-4-2 for once in this game. Leighton Baines. Leighton Baines started the game. Five out of five so far. Start of last week, didn't he? Uh, Billy letdown. <laughs> Indeed, he started the game as well. Six starters in a row, brilliant stuff. Phil Jagielka. Phil Jagielka started the game. Leon Osman because he played every game around this time. That was my first pick. That was already oh. Max's first pick. Pick again. Oh, Becky Waters. Uh, Jack Roswell. Jack Roswell started the game. This is strong stuff. Sylvan Distan. Sylvan Distan started the game. Nine of the starters already mentioned in the first nine. Coleman. Seamus Coleman was the 10th outfield starter. You've got all the outfield starters. <laughs> um, right to the wire, this. Victor Anichibi. <clears throat> Victor Anichibi was one of the used substitutes. Okay. That's See, 11, 11 names reeled off. See, I know this era well. It's like me, me, like me prime childhood era of Everton players, it's just trying to get them clear. Smashing it so far, Terry. I'm gonna go for another start of the Toffee Blues last week in Magai Gay. <laughs> Magai Gay was another of the used substitutes and one of the scorers. Uh. Have you said the goalie? I haven't said the goalie. Oh, Tim Howard. No, Tim Howard was oh. still on leave after the World Cup in 2010. That means oh, Terry's heaven. our winner. Both just for the laugh, we've got three more to guess. Do you want to try and get them? Well, if it wasn't Tim Howard's Jan Mucha. Jan Mucha was also on leave after playing for Slovakia at the World Cup. Alright. Um... Still I said Sylvan. When Carlo, when, when Carlo Nash was it? No, it wasn't Carlo Nash. John Ruddy? No, it wasn't John Ruddy. Ian Turner? Yeah, the only one he hasn't said. It was Ian Turner was the goalkeeper. Right, hell. Two more outfield subs to name. Postelos Velios? Nope, no Velios. James Vaughan? James Vaughan was one of them. And one more. Wasn't he that, did we sign Velios that, that January? We hadn't signed him, you know. It was the next January we signed Velios, yeah. yeah. A bit lost on me, this. Um, Jao Silva, remember him? Jao Silva was an unused sub. Okay. Don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um... Was Pienaar still at the club? He was, no. but he was on leave from South Africa after the World Cup. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It was such a depleted squad, this, and there was actually a lot of sort of left-field names, and the last one that you hadn't named, the final used sub, was Jose Baxter. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. My next yeah. guess would have been Kieran Agards, but I'm not even sure if he was... He wasn't even on. He wasn't even on the bench. The <laughs> the unused subs were Tony Hibbert, Joe Silva, Lucas Jukovic, and a certain Skodran Mustafi. <laughs> oh, I can't believe we forgot Tony the shoe. <laughs> uh, he, he, he was an unused sub anyway, so you wouldn't have scored for it anyway. But yeah, Jack Rodwell and Magai Gay got the two goals, and Everton won the Brisbane. Was it the roar against racism cup final? And that game has never been played again since. So officially, Everton are still the holders of the roar against racism cup. That's it. We we defeated uh, racism. It doesn't exist after that. <laughs> we stopped racism and we've actually won a trophy in the twenty first century. You knew. Yeah. You remember the Everton Brotherhood Cup? Yeah, well? that was the same yeah. summer as well. So we won the double last summer. I know. Better than the Sport Pizza Cup, innit? Oh, definitely better than that. <laughs> Doesn't, doesn't get much worse than that. Everton Brotherhood Cup. I'd forgotten all about <laughs> <that>. <laughs> Whoever lifted that trophy should have the uh, statue of Bramley Moore. Who was it? Never Phil Neville. 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 <laughs> 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 it was classic. It was classic, that. Oh, yeah, heady days when you win two trophies in one summer. I'll tell, tell you what we shouldn't have at the new stadium. At, a spray painted like silhouette of Phil Jagielka's face on the wall that like, we've still got a good or something from, Beaver Moss Everton. From from a kit launch about five years ago that they still haven't painted over. Well, so I know I remember Viva Moss Everton, that's still there, isn't it? Yeah. Right, so that's the end of the show. It was a closely fought contest, but Terry is our victor, and as a result, Terry gets to See us to the end of the show with the end of the show song. So, Terry, if you'd like to tell us which song you want us to finish with and tell us a little bit about the song, where you want us to choose it and whatnot. Bear with. I'm just uh, looking through the aisles, Spotify. Oh, I think I'm going to go for Guns N' Roses, Paradise City. Tune that, you know. Interesting. I just remember when I remember when Sir Steve O'Timothy did the um, did his little Allardyce thing and changed it to take me down to Allardyce City. Um, um. They, they, they were they were the darkest of dark days. <laughs> but it was anyway. Someone did it. Might have been like a vine. It wouldn't have been a TikTok then, but it was a vine or something like that. It was. Just, <laughs> I, can't, I don't even know the name of the song, but it was like. Alert! 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 Oh, that, that, that was that Steve O'Sullivan again. The Irish. Was that name again? Oh, <laughs> I was. I, you know, that's got that one. I think even I, the, 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 the foremost Allardyce hated in Everton fandom, and I've got the badge to prove it. I think I would have sang that. That would have just been amazing. <laughs> No, I just imagine the scenes of how like, actually did well with Everton. Oh, I know. I know. He had, he had like a, a little, like, he had like a street spot, didn't he? A honeymoon. In, Dece- in December, like, he we went unbeaten, didn't he? Yeah, and he was, and um, people were liking him because, um, you know, his attitude was cutting a bit of mustard at first because we'd got, we'd been losing so regularly. It was just nice to start winning, then he battered Liverpool out of the game and he just laughed in the press conference and we're like, oh, this fella's great. I do, I, maybe I was wrong about it. Um, I think that I think that that was when um, Steve O'Timothy did his uh, Allardyce song. Was after that derby, it was brilliant. I've always um, there's, there's plenty of songs that um, yeah, I've heard like one person singing. I'd love them to have caught. I was sitting at the match once and someone went, "I see you, baby, Umanias." <laughs> I, yeah. I would have loved to have it's, that. It's, it's when you think what could be come up with any more brilliant songs from rubbish players, and I just remember someone did a. Uh, Hi, it's the Chiefs of Lee. Andy Vandermeer. 
Andy Van der Meijden. And just, just think, how many more songs would we come up with for rubbish players? Imagine if, if someone come up with an out for our song. Not a rubbish player, but like there's some, there's some colourful songs, isn't there? Like the uh, the Eddie Mina one, which even got mentioned in Marco Silva's press conference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's something only those Everton fans could manage that, isn't it? Well, there you have it. That's the end of the show. Kerry's got made sure that we're going to finish with Guns and Roses Paradise City thank you for tuning in on the Toffee Blues